0: My life. Will never be the, same. My life. the thief comes not except to steal kill and destroy i have come that you might have an enjoy life life in abundance until it overflows discover how to live the abundant life in christ through the ministry of pastor oseo afwakwa Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. (laughs)
1: kingdom it. It's wonderful to have you join us for our discovery service. It's a communion service and I believe that you have come prepared the worship, the prayer session have prepared your heart to receive the word of God. Shall we bow our heads even as we get into a time of fellowship in the word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy which you constantly bestows upon us. We give you praise. We give you glory for your help and your mercy. Lord, tonight as we have assembled before you, we come with a hunger and a desire to study and to know. We pray that, Lord, you open up our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. Grant us understanding, illumination. Let no man or woman hooked to this service or shall work this service later ever remain the same. I give you praise for clarity of thought or utterance. Thank you that your word is going forward with precision and power. Thank you that the sick gets healed through the entrance of your word. I bless you and I give you praise in Jesus much less name. Amen. All right. We we've been running with the the series understanding the times and the seasons understanding the times and the seasons and our text has been from first Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1 but of the times and the seasons brethren you have no need that I write unto you of the times and seasons brethren you have no need that I write unto you we are told in first chronicles chapter 12 verse 32 and of the men of Issachar which were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do all their brethren where they are at their command the heads of them were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. An understanding of the times we live in is vital, is critical for us to live as wise and not as fools. The Bible talks about the need to redeem the time in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. He says, "Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. When we appreciate that the days we live in are evil days We are better place to live a life that glorifies God, better place to live a life that honors God, better place to live a life that God rewards. And so in this service, we're going to continue. In our earlier teaching, in our midweek service, we've been focusing on the end times. What times are we in? And our focus has been on the end times. The end times. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. But notice that in the last days, perilous times will come. In the last days, in the end times, perilous times will come. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 to 3, he said, Now dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and I will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of our Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation or a letter supposedly from us. Verse 3. Don't be fooled by what they say for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. Paul in his day saw the need to bring clarity on the events that were to herald the coming of the Lord. In our teaching earlier, we established the fact that any time we come to the subject of the return of the Lord or the second coming of Christ, four things come in perspective. The first thing is the fact that we are called to wait. The coming of the Lord puts a responsibility of waiting upon us. We need to wait. We are told that the church of Thessalonica, they came to faith in Christ and then they waited for the coming of a Lord. And that is what every one of us, once you get born again and you don't get raptured immediately, then you know that you have a responsibility to wait for the coming of the Lord. So, the first responsibility is a responsibility to wait. And the second responsibility is to work and then of course we are called to watch and then we are called to witness in our earlier teaching we talked about waiting the need to wait and we said that we need to wait because of the certainty of his coming jesus said i will come back it looks like it's taking a long time for him to come but once he said it, the Bible said, God is not the man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. What he has said he will do. What he has spoken, he will come. bring it to pass. So once God has spoken it, no matter how long it takes, one thing is certain that he will surely come back. So when we come to realize that his coming is certain. We have a responsibility to wait. And then, of course, we said we need to wait because his coming is imminent. In other words, his coming is very close. And then we touch on how we ought to wait. We established that there are two ways we ought to wait. We have to wait in righteousness and we have to wait in readiness. We have to wait in righteousness. We have to also wait in readiness. By readiness, we must be loving his appearing. And by readiness, we must looking forward to his appearing. Tonight, we want to focus on the call to work. The call to work. The call to work. At the very foundation of the teaching, I help you to understand the fact that Paul took his time to speak about the subject of the coming of the Lord in the book, first book and second book of Thessalonians. His letters to the church of Thessalonica. He spent some time talking about the coming of the Lord. And... At a certain point, some of the believers in Thessalonica felt that, well, if Jesus is coming, then we can resign our life to faith and just uh, continue and just not do anything. And so, Paul needed to write again to them. When the report got to him that some of the Christians were not working, they were just uh, uh, loitering about, just waiting for the coming of the Lord, Paul saw it needful to write again to give them Further instructions while they wait for the coming of the Lord. And we want to take a look at the instruction he gave tonight. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 to 13. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who works disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. Take note of the word tradition. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you. Verse 8. He says, nor did we eat any man's bread free of charge. I hope you are not eating someone's food free of charge. But what with labor and toiled night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you not because we did not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if any will not work, neither should he eat. Verse 11. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Now, those who are such, we command and exalt through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in well-doing. Amen? This is Paul. Some of the Christians have become lazy and slothful because, I mean, we are waiting for the Lord very soon. Jesus is coming back. Let's just Uh, pray and fast and wait for the Lord. That's all. Let us just wait, fast, witness and just stay. That was their attitude. So, Paul wrote to them and said, listen, uh, that is not what I instructed you. Even when I was with you, I'm the one who preached the second coming of the Lord to you. And even while I was with you, while I was preaching that God was coming soon to you, I was still working. So, the example I set for you was an example of working. It's okay for you to wait. But while you wait, you have to be busy working. Isn't it the same that Jesus told the disciples? He said, occupy till I come. Do business till I come. So, he expects us to be actively working. There are two negative ways people relate to the coming of the Lord. Two negative ways people relate to the coming of the Lord. There are those who put their normal lives on hold in view of the imminent return of the Lord. There are some Christians. Because they think that Jesus is coming soon, and truly is coming soon because he said so. Because they are so much in the expectation or anticipation of his coming. They are literally not doing anything. The they just wake up, find food to eat, pray, and just wait. Because Jesus is coming soon. So they put their normal lives on hold. Some of them, if they were students, they would stop learning because Jesus is coming soon. Others, if they were working, they can resign their jobs because Jesus is coming soon. They, they must rather get involved with something that is more of eternal, that has eternal value than just uh, getting bogged down by the mundane things of this life. So you can see someone seriously working instead of witnessing to souls at his place of work, Decides that he's no longer going to work, he's rather going to fully evangelize because Jesus is coming soon. They put their lives on hold. That's the first category of people. The second category of people are those who also live their normal life with no or doubtful expectation of the return of the Lord. There are Christians who also are so bogged down with the mundane things of this life that they are just so natural. In fact, they are beginning to even question whether genuinely Jesus will be coming back soon like he said. These two categories are problems. That's not the way God expects us to live. He does not want you to put your life, normal life on hold in while you expect his return. Neither does he also want you to live your life doubting the authenticity of his return because certainly he's going to come back. Normal life, I realize that, come with me to the book of Luke chapter 17, verse 26 to 30. Look at what Jesus said. It gives you an idea about what should happen while we wait for the coming of the Lord. The Bible says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank they married wives, they were given a marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 28. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sowed, they planted, they built. (laughs) But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven. And destroyed them all. Verse 30. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Very insightful. This reference helps us to appreciate how life is likely to be before Christ comes. On the day Christ comes, somebody will be having his wedding. Somebody will be on his building site inspecting it. Somebody will be, you see, normal activity. What it simply means is that normal activity will not cease before Christ comes. Because if normal activities were to cease before he comes, then we will almost be able to predict the day of his coming. But because he's coming like a thief, he comes at a time where somebody may be sleeping, somebody may be at the labor ward, somebody may be consulting in his consulting room, somebody may be in the pharmacy shop uh, selling drugs, somebody may be in his shop selling some whatever. Whatever. That is how it's going to be. He said, just as it was in the days of Noah, people married, weddings were going on, all kinds of things were going on. That is how life is going to be before Christ comes. So, God does not want you to put your life on hold. And while we wait for his coming, he expects us to be busy working. There are two kinds of work we are called to engage in. The first is our natural work and the second is our spiritual work. When Paul was speaking to the church of Thessalonica in chapter 3 verse 10 to 13, he was talking about natural work. We are told, for even when we are with you, we commanded you, if anyone will not work, neither should he eat. This has to do with natural work. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in this orderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Verse 13. But for as for you, do not grow weary. He said, they, eh, Let's go to verse 12. That they work in quietness and eat their own bread. That's what Paul is talking about. They need to work. This has to do with our natural work. You don't have to resign your job because Jesus is coming soon any teaching that encourages you to resign your job stop your building project sell your land all of these are fake teachings it cannot be biblical that's not how god expects us to live our lives he expects us to live productive lives while we wait we are waiting is coming look at what the bible says about our spiritual work so there's a natural work and there's a spiritual work in this teaching i'll be focusing on our natural work our natural way, First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50 to 58. Now this I say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. But I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. In a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trump will sound. The dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on mortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at it, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's our spiritual work. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This, he was talking about what happens when Christ will come. He says, when he comes, death shall put on, uh, mortality shall put on immortality. He said, at the last trump, we shall all be changed. And then he says, while we wait for that time, we ought to be busy in the Lord's work. So, it's important that we are called to engage in two major kinds of work. Working for the Lord and then our natural work, our spiritual work, and our natural work. I'll be teaching on our our spiritual work in my subsequent teaching under witnessing. But we are looking at our natural work. Why is it so important that while we wait for the Lord, we don't just sit idling about as busybodies without any meaning in life. Four reasons why we must work while we wait for the coming of the Lord. Number one, because we work to release our God-given potential. God gave us work to release our potential. It's important you understand that God has endowed all of us. He's gifted us with unique potential, unique abilities, and he expects us to put them to work. Until we engage work, we will never be able to discover what we have capacity or we are able to do. Through work, A lot of creative things have been done. This microphone was done by somebody's work. This puppet was done by somebody's work. All kinds of things are being done because people are unleashing their potential through the work of their hands. You remember the parable of the talent, Matthew 25, verse 24 to 30. He who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown. And gathering where you have no scattered seed. I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But this Lord said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Look at the way this Lord described him. Wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have no scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming. I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to he who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he who have, he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. May he come to meet you as a profitable servant. It's important we appreciate that the unprofitable servant was punished. He went and buried his potential. The potential God has given you, if you don't release it through hard work, it will be buried in laziness. That's what the man did. He went to bury it in the name of his master be weak, but the actual spirit in which the man buried his potential was because he was lazy. So don't hide under the second coming of the Lord to be lazy. Find something productive to do with your life. The one easiest way we waste our potential is when we refuse to work. When we refuse to engage in productive work, we waste our potential. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs 18.9. He said, he also that the slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great waster. So a lazy man and a waster are the same. The lazy man refuses to work like we saw in the parable of the talent. He was a lazy man, so he wasted his potential. And a slothful man also is a waster. A waster is somebody who takes something which is valuable and he throws it away. We see in the parable of uh, the talent, the man was given talent, something precious, something he could trade with, something he could make profit out of, and he buried it in the field. He wasted the talent in the field. Remember, when the master came, he said, you could have taken it and deposited it in the bank. I would have gotten interest on it. In other words, my money would have been more useful than you burying it in the ground. While we wait for the, law on the for the coming of the Lord, we must deploy our talent and engage them in productive labor. And I pray that the wisdom of God will be your portion in these times. So, don't sit down idling about. Don't sit down wasting away. Find something useful to do. Find something useful to do. You finish school, you've not gotten a job, you are looking for a posting, find something to do. You, are, you have a job, and along the line, maybe something happened, you've lost your job, find something to do. I like the Bible, what the Bible says. It said, Let him labor with his hands, the thing which is good. So, if your paper cannot get you a job, find something your hand can do. The first reason why we need to work is our potential. Say my potential. Potential, you can type it, my potential. Your potential is at risk. If you fail to work, your potential will be wasted. Number two, it's your purpose. God gave us work for the fulfillment of our purpose. You must understand that we serve a God of purpose. Every human being is born with purpose. Our fulfillment and meaningful living on earth is tied to God's purpose for our lives. If you want to live a fulfilling life, live a life of purpose. If you want to live a meaningful life, you live a life of purpose. Without purpose, there's no meaning to life. Without purpose, there is no fulfillment. If you are going to live a life of fulfillment, you need to live a life of purpose. And God's purpose is already done. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Your future, your security, your blessing, your prosperity, is tied to God's purpose for your life. But your purpose needs work in order to manifest. The assignment God gave to the man Noah was to build an ark. And to build the ark, Noah had to work to build the ark. We are told in Genesis chapter 6 verse 13 to 16. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with So we work to fulfill purpose. No matter the revelation, the dream in your heart, the vision you have, without work, that vision will never see the light of day. You need to work. We work to fulfill purpose. So, number one, we work to release our potential. Number two, we work to fulfill our purpose. We have a responsibility to discover God's purpose. But much more, we have a greater responsibility to work tirelessly to see the purposes of God fulfilled in our lives. I'm talking about personal purpose. God's purpose for your life as an individual. Number three, we work because of provision. We work to create a channel for God to meet our needs. The Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It's important that we understand that God does not supply our needs in vacuum. He does not supply our needs in a vacuum. He can supply it through the work of our hands. Even favor answers to our work. The harder you work, the more favored you become. The harder you work, the more favored you become. The luckiest people on earth usually are the hardest working people. So you have to work. Look at what he says. He said that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we have commanded you. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 10. Even when we were with you, we commanded you that if any man will not work, you should know it. So if you are not working, you don't qualify to eat. Yeah you have finished school, you are waiting for national service and they are still feeding you in the house. That is ungodly. It's unchristian. Go out and find something to do. If you, the nation recognize you, recognizes you as an adult to be able to vote at 18, then you must also be able to take care of yourself from 18. It's important. Don't waste your potential away. Get busy and find something to do. He said for if we, this commandment we commanded you that if man will not work, neither should he eat. Paul said that there is a tradition, there's a culture that we have as Christians and it's a culture of work. So a Christian, a good Christian must have a very strong work ethic. It's wrong to be a lazy Christian. It is wrong. Look at what the Bible says in uh, Ephesians four twenty eight. He said let him that store steal no more but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing that is good that he may have to give to him that needed. So one of the reasons why we work is so we can give. Now are people every time they have nothing to give. If you are receiving offering, they have nothing to give. If you are giving to the needy they have nothing to give. Every time, there's no time they have something to give. Such people are usually very lazy people because it takes work to have to give. We don't just work to provide for ourselves. We work so we can have to give. The legitimate way to have money is to work for it. Lottery is not God's ordained way to have money. You refuse to work, you'll be playing draft all day and then you'll be calculating lotto numbers. That is an unproductive way to live your life as a Christian. It's ungodly. Some people refuse to work and when the Premier League is launched then they will be playing this on the side. That is an unproductive way to live your life as a child of God. You have to work. The Bible said that wealth gotten by vanity, wealth gotten through lottery, wealth gotten illegally, wealth gotten through uh, foul means the bible says it shall diminish but he that gathered by hard work labor shall increase i see you increasing i see you prospering in the name of jesus hear me the bible says in the book of proverbs 13 verse 4 the soul of the sluggard desired and had nothing but the soul of the diligence shall be made fat when you are a lazy person you have a lot of desires You desire to wear something. You desire to eat some food. You desire to drive some car. You will never get it because you are lazy. Lazy people always have wild dreams that they never see come to pass. Because it takes work. When you sleep and you have a nice dream, you have to wake up to make it happen. That's very important. A hard-working unbeliever is of greater value on earth than a tongue-talking lazy Christian. That's what the Bible says in the book of first Timothy says if any man does not provide for his own house, he is especially those of his own house, he's worse than an infidel. An infidel is an unbeliever, he's worse than an unbeliever. So if you are a lazy Christian, all you know to do is to speak in tongues, pray in tongues. At morning, in the morning, you are praying in tongues. At noon, you are praying in tongues. At night, you are praying in tongues. Instead of finding something productive to do with your life. The Bible says you are worse worse than an unbeliever. Hardworking unbeliever. Take note, I said it's more profitable on earth. In heaven, it's not hard work place we take there. But for you to live a productive life on earth, you need to be hard working. If you are lazy, Your life will not be productive. I curse laziness from your life. Receive grace to work hard in the name of Jesus. Number four is prosperity. So, we need to work. We are called to work while we wait for the second coming of Christ. Number one, to release our potential. Number two, to fulfill our purpose. Number three, so we can meet our needs. Number four, is prosperity. For us to see supernatural prosperity and enjoy abundance, we must be hard-working people. Nobody prospers in a vacuum. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28, Proverbs chapter 28 is is amazing. He said, he who tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. When you follow vain persons, you know vain persons, Vain persons, people who refuse to work, but every time you you are returning from work, you meet them sitting under the tree, playing draft. They are following vain persons, vain conversations, unproductive uh, conversations, conversations that do not bring profit, that do not advance their lives, that do not add value to their lives. There are people. All they need, they like to do is to argue about sports. Who is the richest sportsman? As see by arguing about it, their money comes into your pocket. Instead of finding something productive to do with your life. He said, he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. When you read the same verse, verse 20, 20, he said, a faithful man shall abound with blessing, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Be diligent. Poverty is not just a curse. Poverty is also a product of laziness. Product of laziness. The curse of poverty over your life as a child of God was broken at the cross. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, Christ as redeemer from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, for it is written, curse is every man that hungeth on the tree. So when Jesus hung on the cross 2,000 plus years ago, the curse of poverty was hung on him. There's no curse over your life as a child of God now. Find something productive to do and you'll prosper. The Bible says, go to the aunt, thou sluggard. Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 11. Consider a ways and be wise. Which having no guide or overseer or ruler provided a meat in the summer and gathered a food in the harvest. How long would thou sleep, O sluggard? When would thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armor. So poverty comes to those who are lazy. May you not be lazy. You remember, Isaac, we are told, in the book of Genesis 26, verse 12 to 14, then Isaac soared in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. It was a farming time isaac went to the field planted in hard times and the bible said the lord bless him." you see until you learn to plant you don't create a platform for the blessing of god to rest upon your life where you work you create a platform where you give the blessing of god is released the favor of god is released but when you work you create a channel for the blessing of god to rest upon it so that prosperity will become your product see prosperity resting upon your life in the name of Jesus why you must prosper because it takes prosperity to be able to fulfill the agenda God has for his church before he comes so we are called not just to wait we are called to work and we are called to work to release our potential to fulfill his purpose for our lives and to receive supernatural provision and of course to prosper if you must prosper Work, you must develop a strong working ethic, hard working ethic, smart working ethic. May the Lord help you. May the grace of God rest upon you. May every form of laziness leave your environment. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. For I labored more abundantly than they, yet not I, by the grace of God. I pray that as we come to the communion table tonight, the grace of God that empowers for diligent work, that empowers for productive work, that empowers for profitable work, may that grace rest upon you in the name of Jesus. You will prosper, you will fulfill your purpose, you will release your potential, and your needs shall be supernaturally provided for. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.
0: Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 540 670 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any further information. Log on and be part of our power-packed online services live every Sunday for our celebration service at 9am and every Wednesday for our discovery service at 7pm on Facebook and YouTube using the handle Faith House Charismatic Chapel International. God richly bless
1: you.